0: Have you ever wondered how someone can create a full-time income from creating content online? And I'm not talking about a few bucks here. This is millions of dollars being generated by young kids just using a video camera and a computer. Maybe you know a friend or follow someone online who in just a few short years went from a nobody to earning serious income online, shooting videos, traveling the world, meeting fans, and acting as a modern day rock star. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm incredibly pleased to introduce to you today my good friend Jake Tran, who in just a few short years went from a no-name website developer living with his parents to over a million YouTube subscribers leveraging what he calls the Blue Ocean Strategy. Jake's going to walk us through the biggest mistakes he sees content creators making on YouTube today that is preventing them from growth. He's also going to show us what are some wide open opportunities that he sees on the platform ripe for taking advantage of. And finally, he's going to walk us through a day in the life of what it's like traveling the world, meeting fans, and buying whatever he wants. Whether you consider yourself a creative person and you're trying to turn it into a serious business, or if you already have a business and you want to use content to get more customers, this video interview is going to be for you. Our company publishes over 30 videos online every single month. And I can tell you that I took so many notes from this interview myself. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax and get the exact strategy for exploding your business online. Welcome to the Ravi Abuvala show where we show you how you can build a business that produces cash without you so you can live the life you deserve. All right, Jake. So what is the one decision that you've made either in your business or your personal life that has eliminated all other decisions?
1: Wow. That's a good question. Um, Probably the blue ocean strategy that we talked about before. So uh, for context, I started on YouTube probably, I want to say like five years ago, maybe almost six. And it took me around four years to get up to 100k subs. That was across two channels too. So two separate tries. So I struggled a lot for like four years. That's why I say I got a degree in YouTube (laughs) because it took four years. (laughs) And uh, the real game changer was when... So... Growing up trying YouTube, uh, I always heard the number one advice of just be consistent. Just be consistent with your content and eventually you'll blow up. That was a complete lie. Uh, Because no matter how many times you put out the same video consistently, if it's a bad video, it's still going to be a bad video, no matter if you upload it once or a thousand times consistently. So uh, based on that alone, this premise of just being consistent and blowing up is not true. So you need something else other than than being consistent just consistent. So uh, what I found is that you have to be both consistent and offer something different, something innovative in terms of content that isn't being offered by the marketplace already, whether that be YouTube or TikTok or whatever. So um, I had my first channel as my first try, then my second channel, which is this one right now. And it took me, for this current channel, Jake Tran, it took me around a year before I started really gaining any traction. And for that first year, I was kind of just doing uh, copying videos of people that I looked up to, and it wasn't working because I was just copying them. So I knew I had to change something. And that was when I read the book, Blue Ocean Strategy, where it teaches you how to go into any crowded marketplace, uh, whether that be YouTube or an actual like hard business or something like that. And it shows you how to go into any crowded marketplace with a lot of competition and carve out your own little blue ocean to where instead of like fighting in a red ocean that's filled with blood where everyone's trying to, like, eat each other and stuff. You create your own little blue ocean where there's no competition and it's a lot easier to grow, like, infinitely easier to grow. And the way I did that was – this is from the book. You look at the factors that make up whatever industry you're going into and then you list, them, you list them all out and then you list what the competitors are doing. And then from there, you analyze each and you decide, like, do I want to keep this factor? Do I want to increase it, decrease it, remove it altogether – and what other factors can I add in to create my own little unique take on the industry that no one has done yet? So that sounds kind of vague. So an example that they use was they went into, they consulted with the the wine company, uh, that hipster wine company, I can't remember what it's called, <laughs> Tango or Yellowtail. And they were helping Yellowtail come up with their strategy. So they listed out every attribute of the wine industry like Uh, How many different kinds of wines does uh, a brand offer? Um, How over the top is their marketing with like super fancy terminology and stuff? They listed all these out and they listed out what high-end wines do and what budget wines do. And then they looked at all those factors like uh, uh, how big the wine selection is. So I think both budget and high-end wines had like A super wide range of selections that made it very overwhelming for a beginner to get into wines so what they decided to do was limit the selection to only like a couple like you have this choice, this choice, this choice, so you have less decision fatigue and they did that for each factor uh, along with adding in other stuff that the wine industry just completely never thought about and that's how they came up with this uh, Yellowtail brand that has become super super successful so basically did that exact same thing but looking at the YouTube niches Yeah, that's, uh, and and I think you could probably
0: say for those that are listening that it's worked because uh, you said we went to YouTube University, took you four years to hit 100,000. And then what year did you hit the 100,000? What year? Yeah. Um,
1: Probably like one or two years ago.
0: Okay, so we'll say 2020. And then you just recently, which I'm so happy to have you on here at this time because you just recently hit a million subscribers on YouTube, right? Actually, not yet. Where's my phone? Oh, (laughs) no, it's not It's not a million yet. Yeah, we'll have to grab your phone and look at it in a second. I can even pull it up on my Oh, you have it right there? Yeah, I got it. What are you at? What was the number you last time you checked it? Uh, I'm going to check the exact number Oh, my gosh.
1: We have the exclusive here. Holy shit. It's actually super close. (laughs) What is it at? Uh, It's loading right now. (laughs) Uh, 9... Nine hundred ninety-nine thousand one hundred and thirty subscribers. oh my
0: gosh all right maybe our guys uh, well this is gonna come out afterwards so i was gonna say
1: 897 subscribers away. how many
0: do you get it usually a day
1: um it's gonna
0: probably hit it by the end of the day really yeah all right we might have to pause this and come back later <laughs> but um so almost uh, well for all intents and purposes we'll say a million subscribers yeah. go from a hundred thousand to a million in pretty much two years um and I would say that this blues ocean strategy obviously worked because of that. And to give people that are watching this a little bit of context, you and I first met at, so I had actually been watching your YouTube videos yeah. like way before you and I even met. And uh, then I was speaking at a podcast, shout out to Omir, uh, Omar. And, uh, I was speaking at a podcast in San Diego. You and I met at dinner and I was like, Oh my God, this is obviously, you, you know, you have purple hair. <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty easy to recognize, even though uh, you almost never show your face in your videos. And, I knew immediately who you were and it kind of clicked. And then you and I ended up uh, enjoying the dinner together. And then you came over here next time. And I think literally as someone who's a business owner, and this is gonna be great for those that are like thinking of going full-time content creation or even like trying to start your business or how content relies, uh, works with your business. Because I was so shocked by when you and I sat down how you treated your youtube channel like a business and i you know to go when i was having the conversation with you and we were just trying to start a youtube channel i'm like hey what's the well how do we do thumbnails how do we do this and you broke down that blue ocean strategy to me for the first time i was like wow this guy knows like exactly you you know exactly what you're doing when it comes to youtube and it shows because obviously you get 900,000 subs in less than two years and you're growing insanely fast right now so the the reason i say all of that is because a lot of people who don't understand content think exactly what you just said. And that's how I kind of got introduced to the content game, which is just like, oh, it's all about quantity. It's uh, just put out as much as possible. As long as it's okay, you'll be fine. And I know right now, you and I were just having a conversation before this camera started rolling, you, before, I think you were putting out two videos a week. Just uh, one. One yeah. video a week, yeah. right? And then you went to two, then three, and now you're talking about going to four videos a week. And for those that haven't watched this channel, I'm a huge fan of it. It's just Jake Tran's first and last name. But he puts out like movie quality production content and you do for a week. So walk me through a little bit about the process in your brain around this like quantity quality thing. Do you think that any of your content has suffered as you've been able to scale it as far as the quality is concerned? Because that's one of the fears that honestly we have as we're putting out more
1: content. Yeah. So, uh, for context, I started out, uh, not like. I didn't have this like business mind. When I started out. I was very much an artist. I've always been an artist since I was a kid with like drawing and a bunch of other stuff, music. So um, I really had that limiting belief that, you know, I have to do, I can't put out more content because the quality will go down and blah, blah, blah. Every single limiting belief an artist can have. <laughs> <laughs> and I really, really had to break that belief and, um, the whole goal was to increase the quantity while keeping the quality. So I want I wanted like zero noticeable change. And that, that was a standard I kept for myself. And today I found that I have a much healthier balance between like businessman and artist to where I'm still very satisfied with the quality of the videos like from an artistic perspective. But monetization wise, I'm doing like, many, many, many times better than I was before. So I really had to work on that myself because yeah, before I was just a complete artist.
0: Yeah. I kind of want to, and we'll dive into the story because I think you and I talked about it at dinner the one time, but how you got into the YouTube world, what your parents thought of it originally when you were doing it and how you transitioned out of your job. But before I dive into that, I think that I work a lot with creative people all the time. And, you know, I think that there's these societal norms around creative people, both that are externally put on creative people. Like when I'm working with someone who runs a creative agency, I'm automatically thinking like, they're gonna be thinking the exact same things that you were saying a second ago. Like, oh no, I can't scale my thing or I can't do this because I'm an artist. And then obviously there's this internal limiting beliefs that they have, because they think that their work is, you know, I, I don't want to say one of a kind and insult people here, but they think that it's like no way it can be replicate replicatable or scalable. Mm. So what are some of the, like, the biggest limiting beliefs you see either around content or artists in general, that could probably help some people that are listening to this, that are like, I really want to go full-time as this creative person. And you've obviously done incredibly successful, I mean, this guy travels around the world and buys more things than anybody else I know. And, uh, Hey, it,
1: I'm a minimalist. <laughs> I mean,
0: he's a minimalist. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) That's what I meant to say where he's a minimalist, but, um, but my question is like, what are some of the limiting beliefs that you think either you used to have, or that you see a lot of people that are creative in this industry that prevents them from growing?
1: Yeah. Um, I think the biggest one was, uh, like no one can do it better than me, uh, which is rather irrational because there's like 7 billion people out there. I'm sure there's someone that can do it at least a little bit better than me. So I think that was the biggest one. And I think uh, it's important to know that it's possible to have a healthy balance between business and art. And I think uh, you should strive for that because, you know, there's, there's no nobility in being a poor artist. Like, you're just going to starve. Yep. Um, and on the other hand, you can tell when YouTubers are completely on the business side where their videos are completely soulless and very, like, it's very obvious that they're just doing it for the money. So, yeah, I've been able to find a healthy balance and – uh, you should know that it's possible to find a healthy balance.
0: And did you like th- to find that balance? Uh, it sounds like you kind of started all the way on the starving artist side. And I think that some people wear like that starving artist badge. And yeah. they think that like, you know, they're the best because they're starving artists. But like you just said, you know, there's no nobility in that. And then did you ever go so far on the uh, other side? Right. To find that balance, sometimes people have to go so far on the opposite. So did you ever go so far on like the I'm doing this for money or I'm just this is a pure business
1: and I lost my creative edge on it? Um, I wouldn't say so because the entire goal was to scale while keeping the quality. That was like my biggest fear was that the quality goes down because I see it with other people that try to go into YouTube as well, especially from the business world where they just try to literally just pump out content that uh, they themselves genuinely wouldn't watch themselves. So I really wanted to avoid that. So I never went on that extreme.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I can tell. And I, I asked the, opened up that question by saying, like, did your quality drop? But I, I I watch a lot of your videos and I love them. And I actually haven't really seen a, yeah. a quality drop at all um, by any hear. means. Yeah. So you're, you're doing a good job on that. I want to transition now because I think you kind of have a cool background story um, about how you went into this full time a little bit. So for people that don't aren't necessarily familiar with you, can you kind of walk us through a little bit of. You know even before you started that first youtube channel um you said you're kind of creative what got you onto the platform in the first place and then how did you go from the part-time youtube or part-time creative person to now full-time like icon in this industry
1: yeah so in growing up i'm 23 so my main form of entertainment growing up was youtube Uh, i remember i remember my parents canceling cable as a kid because we couldn't (laughs) afford it so youtube was the uh only option so In high school, I got really into tech channels like Linus Tech Tips and Marquez Brownlee. And I saw how much fun they were having on camera. Uh, They would get like free stuff, sponsors, etc. And I really, really fell in love with that ideal, that romanticized ideal of being a a YouTuber. So in high school, my only expertise at the time was Taekwondo. I was a competitor and an instructor, uh, full-time outside of school. So I started a Taekwondo channel. And I wanted it to be the Linus Tech Tips of Taekwondo. <laughs> if you're familiar with that channel, it was super big. Uh, they're still going strong to this day. Uh, that obviously didn't work. I grew it to like. I grew it to 5k subscribers in one to two years, which is pretty bad. So I gave up. And what give the whole, me give
0: me an idea of what one of the videos was because I'm I I do know what the channel you're talking about. How do we do that for Taekwondo? So like, give me an idea <laughs> of what I, I'm very curious to see. Yeah, so
1: I saw Linus. He he has like a warehouse with like a video editing team and production team and everything uh and i thought that was so cool and he put out like a video a day every video gets a million views um they just have fun on camera cool they have like the cool segue to the sponsor spots which yep. uh, i've emulated on this channel uh-huh. and i just wanted that for tech No. got it and yeah i grew up to like 5k subs pretty bad so i gave up went the traditional route i went to community college for computer science and um, got really impatient with school after I read the book Millionaire Fastlane. Okay. So I tried, like, a few side businesses on the side. And I ended up letting, like, the dream job I thought I wanted, which was a front-end web developer, a remote, uh, very high pay for a 20-year-old, 19-year-old. I think uh, if I was working full-time hours, it would have been 80K a year at 20. Well, so not bad. Uh, Once I got that job though, a few months in, I got bored really fast uh, and became a little disillusioned, so I went back into YouTube with the channel I have now, and after just a few months of going back into YouTube, I was making zero progress, zero views, zero money, and I decided just to go all in and quit my job which is pretty crazy at the time because and
0: what, what were these, what were these videos that you were first putting out? Cause I know you said that was, this is before the blue ocean strategy yeah. change. So like what kind of videos were, yeah, there? I was basically
1: copying Graham Got and it. uh, people like him, uh, just like personal finance type content. Um, and when you copy someone, there's like an inherent ceiling yeah, uh, you can reach, which is how big the person you're copying is. Sure. That's why copying doesn't work. And that's what I was doing for, like, a year straight. I don't know why I did it and just didn't, like, change it up. But I just did it for, like, a year straight and didn't change anything, which is why I hate the advice, just be consistent. (laughs) And, yeah, so I struggled for a year, made no money, probably got up to, like, 10K subs or something. And I knew I had to change something, which is when I went to the Blue Ocean stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I really like to compare this to because, you know, a lot of people, when they go into YouTube, they start off by copying the people they watch, which is – a good place to start but it's not going to get you where you want and the reason why is because i go back to henry ford so do you know ha- how henry ford got the idea for the assembly line uh i actually do remember reading it oh you know well, it probably was in that book uh
0: but i actually remember reading it. but go ahead tell, tell everybody
1: yeah he visited a slaughterhouse oh wow so if henry ford only copied his competitors there's like no possible way he would have came up with the idea for an assembly line because that wasn't in like, like all the data points he could have got from his competitors would have never concluded making a summing line. Sure. He had to visit some other niche, some other industry. So
0: another industry that you, uh, you're pretty much pulling the idea from.
1: Yeah. It doesn't have to be an industry. It can be a, another field of study or whatever to see, uh, to get other ideas. Got it. And that's basically what I did. I looked at the niches I liked, like uh, the finance niche, the make money online niche, and these, uh, I call them... Uh, edutainment niches like one over productions polymatter those animated channels with voiceover, chris gazette and i basically did that same blue ocean strategy i looked at all the factors that made up their videos took the ones that i wanted from each niche removed the ones i didn't from each each niche and added the stuff that i would want in a video which kind of resulted in this very unique video style that i have today that there's no real competition for so i had no competition I didn't, wasn't comp- competing against anyone anyone who wanted to watch those ty- types of videos only had me to go to wow so that's why uh i go back not only to henry ford but rockefeller where he says competition is a sin uh if you're competing you are in a losing game because competition inherently leads to zero profits like if you play out the game of competition to uh like what economists call perfect equilibrium That's when you have zero profits. That's not the game you want to be in. You want a monopoly. Sure. And for the, I kind of wrote this
0: down because I was thinking while you were saying this, how old were you when you read the Blue Ocean Strategy book?
1: Um, 21, 22,
0: probably. How how did you like, I don't know, man, when I was 21, 22, I was getting drunk in my college like fraternity house. So like, how did you sit down and write down? like? Is I, I know it's hard for me to formulate this question, but I'm trying to get an idea of like 21 year old Jake like being like, all right, I'm going to read this book. Okay. Let me do this exercise. Let me write down all the things I like, all the things I don't like. Was it just, you were like, I, I hate this job. And I like, what was the motivation for you to do all of this work to get the YouTube
1: thing? Right? Yeah. So it was rather serendipitous because before, like I said, I was very much an artist and an academic. I was very good at school. Uh, Definitely not the traditional entrepreneur story of like, I sucked at school. School wasn't for me. I was very good at school. I graduated like 11th in my high school class nice. and did super well in college even better probably and i considered a career in academia at one point because i really liked computer science but then uh, i started reading investment books uh not business books investment books like how to invest and then my friend recommended the book million millionaire fast lane mm-hmm. and that just opened up a whole new world that i had never considered before like i didn't know you could like start a business and actually get rich fast Um, and that like really, really changed. It was a complete paradigm shift to where I read it in one day, one day. And came back to school the next day. And I was like, just a different person. (laughs) I was so frustrated and angry and so done. I, so I went from like night and day. So like complete academic to like screw this. I'm going to drop out. And, and did your parents like walk me through.
0: When did you uh, like officially be like, I'm done with this job and full-time YouTube. And what did, what was the external pressures that were going on as you were trying? Like, what did you wait until you had enough of income on the YouTube side that you could leave the thing? Or did you were like, Hey, I'm going all in on this. And I know that I'll eventually make enough money.
1: Yeah. My parents were amazed and super, super happy when I landed that job. It was like $40 an hour at 20 or whatever. And after a few months in probably like six months in, I wasn't making no money on YouTube. And I just decided to quit. And they were super devastated very sad so you were making no money too and you decided to quit the job yeah
0: and what was it because you were like i the reason i'm not making money is because i'm not being able to devote enough time to this
1: yeah because i think i read the book the one the one thing or something sure and you know i i believe success is where you put your focus in and i, I was splitting my my time my mental energy my creative energy between two things and at the time, I was living with my parents, so it wasn't a big financial risk because mm-hmm. I wasn't paying any rent or anything. So uh, I really believed – I really wanted to try the thing where you burn the bridge, yeah, you burn the boats, so you have to succeed, and it, it happened to work.
0: Yeah, that's funny. It reminds me a lot of my story, and if you guys haven't heard my story, I would check out the first uh, podcast episode that we did. But same exact thing. When I was like about to go to law school – right before i literally signed on the dotted line for three years of my life i was like all right i have no girlfriend i have no car payment i'm living with my dad you know i was taking care of him because of the cancer Uh, i have really no debt at all and so i figured like this was the best time if i was going to take a risk on something this was the best time and you know to your credit i really didn't even know what the thing was going to be it sounded like you kind of knew it was going to be youtube and and was the goal and i know you have um some really incredible sponsors on on youtube as well right now was the goal like to eventually when you're thinking about, cause you said you'd like to make money online niche and you also were talking about monetization on YouTube was the goal, like, let me use this as a brand and then create my own business. Was it like, I want to just monetize YouTube? Was it, I want to get sponsors or were you just not even thinking about anything like that in the beginning? Oh, I wanted the money and fame
1: of being a YouTuber. I, <laughs> uh, whenever people ask influencers, YouTubers, like, why did you start? Why'd you become a YouTuber? All of them will say like, I want to inspire people. And I'm sure that's true for some people, but. I think that's a cop-out uh most of us go into this going after the money and fame Mm -hmm. like um like everything i told you earlier like i fell in love with these tech youtubers the idea of having fun on camera having fans etc that all boils down to money and fame yeah so that was what i really liked that aspect And, and
0: and and it was obviously the combination of the money and the fame and you were kind of beginning disillusioned at your nine to five job or not even nine to five for you, but part-time job. And so this was like, I can have fun doing this and I can make money doing it as well.
1: Yeah. I just loved that romanticized idea of being a YouTuber. Interesting. In every aspect,
0: I I guess I'm maybe a little bit too old. Maybe Jack's young enough, but I I like didn't really watch a whole lot of YouTube when Mm. I was young. I mean, I I'll be honest. I actually didn't even start watching YouTube. I mean, maybe two years ago, I didn't watch any YouTube until then. And, uh, I don't. I don't really know why I didn't. I guess I didn't grow up in the same uh, time frame where YouTube was really getting really big, but now I love YouTube. I yeah, mean, I absolutely uh, like. There's only a few channels, including yours, that I watch, and then we obviously pump out a lot of content on it. But I think that and I just wanna talk about it because you got into YouTube because you, the money and the fame aspect of it. I already had a brand when I got into YouTube. The reason why, so this might be valuable because we have a lot of business owners that, that watch this as well. The reason why I got into YouTube was not necessarily the money and the fame, although that's nice, I'm not gonna lie either. I'll be transparent with you. The, the reason I got on YouTube was it is the number two search engine of the world owned by the number one search engine of the world. Yeah. And I tried for years to rank on Google <laughs> for anything I wanted to rank on and yeah. I could literally never do it and i started seeing that whenever i was typing keywords on youtube such as like how to use linkedin sales navigator or how to use this automation tool people would rank for that and i would watch those videos and then i would know that i myself would watch the video then i would see that person's authority and then i might even work with that person i might even try to pay the money and just like to give you credit when you said people were creating videos they wouldn't even watch and they put it out just as a business i was like oh i'm watching these videos i'm technically my ideal client for our company so i kind of got into youtube in order to uh, gain a larger market share and get more attention to drive into my businesses and then i just happened i've been shooting video content for a while and i just happen to absolutely love like the, the video style of youtube mm. I, I think that's i like written content but i like the video style a lot better and i know you have yours is interesting because it's not like talking head version of you, right? It's, yeah. it's more like, uh, you have movie scene clips, you have like voiceovers going, which is uh, as a kind of side question here, like for the people that are on here that are watching this, that I, cause I hear it all the time when I tell people how much I love YouTube and, and how much it's helped my business. I'm not good on, on camera, right? They go. And, and I, and, and I, it's very easy for maybe you and I to minimize that because our whole entire life is on camera. Um, but like, were you ever nervous of the, the camera beforehand? And how did
1: you get past it if so? Um, yeah, so I think I'm socially inept in that sense where I've never uh, worried about being on camera. I was, I never worried about hate comments. Like when I tell people I'm a YouTuber, one of the number one objections which really surprised me was how do you handle hate comments? Um, That's a really big fear for people. Is it? Yeah. And I just never really cared. But do you – How? like for me – I see how I could
0: get hate comments because I do, but like, what could you do that would get hate comments? I don't even know. Like, it's not like you're really. I guess. Oh, I mean, the, you,
1: you the are... last, the last few Russia videos have gotten many, many. Oh,
0: I guess that's fair. Okay, many hate. But comments. other than that, is probably the most political stuff you've done. Yeah. Uh, is that which kind of brings me to a question that that we had a lot of people who put uh, message me on Instagram asking the question, which was, and I actually think about this as well sometimes. You know, when I see people like you and even. Um, uh, Stephen Cornel I forget his last name Starts with a C But people who like Expose other people Right And you are doing that On a level that's like You know Unheard of And some of it's corporations But like some of it is like The Chinese government And other places like that Do you ever fear of like Not hate comments But like actual physical safety Because of some of the stuff You're exposing
1: Yeah I definitely can't Visit China That would be a very stupid idea (laughs) I probably shouldn't Visit Russia anymore (laughs) Unless there's a regime change Which there might be Uh, coming very soon um but everything else i mean it's everything i put out is all public information sure so i'm just like putting that public information into a really cool video so i'm not too scared yeah that's fair yeah um and you know luckily you live in the united states but you do travel
0: quite a lot internationally which is kind of where i'd like to segment this uh interview to did you always love so I don't know if you know the number off the top of your head but how many countries have you been to in the past like 12 to 18 months i'm kind of curious if you had to give me a ballpark you know it's not
1: too many let let me see um probably like six seven eight i mean
0: that's a lot for the majority of of the world i mean i mean that's a lot for me and i travel i've been traveling for years so like you created this YouTube channel. You have this presence online. Uh, When you go internationally, like, first of all, did you always want to travel? Was that like, was that one of the main reasons you wanted the fame and the money was to be able to get up and travel? Or once you got this money and fame, you were like, cool, now let's see what I can do. Oh, I can go to Europe or I can go to uh, England or wherever
1: else. Anytime I wish. I think it was, I think it was the latter. Okay. And uh, I got to give credit to another YouTuber, Nathaniel Drew, who put out videos on nomading and like slow travel. That really inspired me um so yeah that was like more later okay and do people
0: i was always curious about this because it's actually starting to randomly happen to me around miami now but do people like point you out in the street or like at dinner or anything like that and be like you're jake tran because <laughs> you do have a very like signature look you yes know? but that, but that being said on most unless they're like a real fan most of your youtube videos you don't you don't show your face at all until literally the very end of it yeah so, so
1: i showed my face at the very end and yeah. there was a very specific reason for that when i was doing the blue ocean strategy So one thing I liked about the talking head style videos of like the finance make money online niche is that you built a really close personal connection with whoever you were watching. But the downside that I didn't like that the edutainment channels did was that, you know, B roll and animations and stuff on the screen is a lot more interesting to watch than someone's face. So one of the best of both, both worlds to where I still got that personal connection, but I still had the cool visuals. That was a lot more entertaining to watch so that's why i put my face at the end uh st- to just have the best of both worlds and uh that's been one benefit is that uh, people still know who i am versus other edutainment channels b-roll voiceover channels where it's completely faceless
0: do you like ever like sit down at a european cafe and they go how can i help you and you go I'd like to order and then just they hear your voice and they're just like, you're Jake Tran immediately (laughs) there. Has that ever happened?
1: Um, Not the voice. I mean, it's very, it's, I look very... The look, yeah, I know. Yeah, People that are watching, listening
0: to this on the uh, on the podcast, you guys have to watch the YouTube video just to see. Uh, <laughs> and did you, I, you know, and I love, obviously, you, you've like literally owned your entire look and I love that. Is that something that you consciously decided a while ago? Like, we're like, okay, because it, it is part of if you think about like the rich and famous. They always, a lot of them, especially like kind of the rock star themed ones, they will take this entirely separate look so that you can stand out from the crowd because that's almost like the innate personality of the YouTuber, so yeah. was that before the YouTube? Were you doing that before
1: YouTube? Was that because of the YouTube? <laughs> so let me answer the first question. So yeah, I do get recognized when I'm in uh, very crowded places. Okay, like a crowded restaurant or like a mall or whatever. Do people or... walk
0: up to you and they're just like, "Are you Jake Tran?" Yeah,
1: what yeah, yeah pretty much. And um, yeah, I was in a restaurant in Scottsdale and some guy started like screaming, like, <laughs> "Oh my God, you're <laughs> 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 that was very funny." Um. But yeah so i do get recognized when i'm in crowded places more so in english-speaking countries of course sure and uh for your second question uh the look so again i've been an artist like my entire life like i used to draw a lot i got really good at realistic pencil drawings i played guitar and uh the hair is a funny story so i used to have very generic asian hair like a bowl (laughs) cut uh and as a kid I think i was like a freshman in high school or something i got like a really bad haircut where it just looked horrible like it was all jagged and too short and awful so i got my dad's hair gel and just made like a faux faux hawk yeah that looked a lot better so i kept doing it and then the hair got too long to where the bangs started falling down so i pushed the bangs off to the side and that was the inception wow of the iconic... i've never heard somebody <laughs> describe their
0: entire look like that the way that you just described that <laughs> it's like the inception of this look oh my god that's incredible i love that
1: yeah so i i stuck with that ever since and then in high school later in high school i bleached my hair a few times and i really liked it but i didn't have any money back then and it cost a lot of money so uh, i had to give it up um so that was part of the desire to go back to it uh, to bleaching my hair and coloring it because I couldn't afford it as a kid <laughs> and what color is your hair for people that are listening to the podcast right now uh, right now it's like purple yeah. uh, before I've done just super bright blonde uh, platinum blonde I've done like a light pastel purple a light blue is there a favorite color one that you've had I like the light pastel purple and okay. this purple uh, next I'm going to try dark red yeah
0: I get you are going to uh, EDC this weekend right so yeah ultra. Uh, yeah, yeah ultra
1: yeah ultra I don't know what it, you kids call it yeah <laughs>
0: I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll fit in there. Um, yes.
1: And, uh, but yeah, so, uh, I think everyone has their own like unique, like archetype that they fit into for like their style for me, it's the rock star look. So these days I just like lean into what I am. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I think that's awesome. You just own you, which is like the coolest
0: thing in the world. So yeah, that's awesome to see. And uh, I, cause we are a business show and people are going to ask questions here. You went from yourself shooting these videos to now you have a team and I I don't want to dive too deep into like the team structure because I know that's your secret sauce and um, you've actually been kind enough to help Jack and I uh, with our video here but that's another limiting belief I think that's on the creative uh, person side it's like oh there's no way I can do the team and I can't scale the team and there's like so you don't have to walk me through the whole sauce here but did you structure it so that you were able to continue to do the thing that you were best at and then you were starting to delegate out some of the other aspects of it? Because like, do you realistically think it would be possible to put the
1: content out that you're out right now if you were doing it by yourself? Um, No, it would be impossible because uh, when I started out, I was making one video a week purely because of the reason it took me like five to six days to make a video. Got it. So yeah, it would definitely be impossible.
0: I can imagine that too. And and now obviously you've also had a little bit more of, of a like balance. I think you're you spending quite a bit of time of, uh, and just enjoying your life. And I don't think that would be possible without a team as well. Right No,
1: definitely not. Definitely yeah. Not. Which is I'll kind of no what life.
0: I think is important that we cover for two seconds here, which is as far as like scaling the actual YouTube channel. I remember when you and I talked and we were talking about like, you know, s- scaling and business and stuff like that, you were like, yeah, I just like to be like, I don't want any complications. I don't want to ever talk to anybody. And like, that's how you pretty much created your entire life at this point. Right?
1: Yeah. Um, a lot of people have that idealistic vision of, I want to be like a startup founder. I want to like, I want to employ people and have like a cool hipster office. And if that's what you want, that that's what you get. That's what you build. But I personally wanted the freedom. Like I hate meetings. I don't want an office. I don't want a hipster office or whatever. Uh, so that's kind of how I, uh, that's, that's the ideal that I built. Got it.
0: Yeah. And, I, and you've done it well. I mean, you've done it well. I mean, I, I, follow you on Instagram and you, you live like a rock star. I mean, and, <laughs> and I still see, like, I see your YouTube video come out and then I go on Instagram and there you are like in <laughs> London or something like that party. And so I think that's, that's pretty kick ass. And uh, two more questions I have for you before we wrap this up here. Um, the first is what is the goal? do you have a longer term goal in the next three, five, 10 years? I don't want to be like, you know, your, your high school counselor right now, but I am kind of curious because obviously you are growing insanely fast. And
1: do you have this vision of what you want to do in the next few years or? Yeah. Uh, short term is pretty clear, but long-term, you know, for the longest time, the only goal was to achieve like financial freedom and uh, just make good money. And that's what really drove me now that I've achieved that. Um, I'm left without a super strong purpose anymore. So, I've been like keeping an open mind to, to what that new purpose would be. So, I don't have a good answer super long term yet, but I'm looking for it. Uh, Short term, uh, just keep growing this channel and maybe start secondary channels on like other sub niches. Haven't decided yet, but I have a few stuff like that.
0: Do you think that when you start these second channels because of what you know now about the blue ocean strategy, you could like quickly take another one and grow it pretty fast?
1: Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Which I think is kind of a perfect transition into uh, probably the last question that I have for you, which is a lot of people watching this right now have been either where exactly you were, which is they've been creating YouTube content for one years, three years, five years, absolutely no traction, or they haven't even started on YouTube or maybe even the content game in general. Like let's take this imaginary scenario, right? You lose all of the followers, all of the fame, all of the fortune, and you have to recreate, uh, your YouTube channel again. What are like one to three things you'd be like, this is the thing that I would do immediately. Or I would do these things in this order in order to get back to where you are right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're starting out from scratch and you don't already watch YouTube, like you weren't like me and you didn't watch YouTube growing up, then, uh, you would have to like start watching YouTube just on your own for fun, just to get a feel for the marketplace and how YouTube videos are like. Uh, because that was a big advantage for me because I already understood like the landscape of YouTube because I just watched it every single day. I was a customer of it, um, so I, I know what I liked in YouTubers, what I didn't like, etc. So th- that would be like the very very baseline thing to do. And once you're there, um, then I would do the blue ocean strategy thing because uh, competing sucks. <laughs> you should never compete. Um, if, if you're whatever business you're in, if you're struggling to get customers, then there's something inherently wrong with the business because a good business should be easy. Like customers should come to you because you have a great product and a great offer. So, um, yeah, don't compete.
0: Yeah. And I think that's totally fair. And, and I think as, you've done in this niche slash channel you've carved something out for yourself and you're right i literally can't think of anybody like someone asked me to describe when i was telling them about your channel like what the channel is and typically when you're trying to describe something to somebody else you use reference points yeah right and you're like oh it's like this it's like that and I could not think of I was like I don't really it's like a movie but it's about business <laughs> and it's kind of like a documentary but he's like doing a voiceover on it so I think you've done an awesome job with that well uh, Jake it's been awesome having you on here man you're, you're an incredible dude you're an inspiration we love watching your videos uh, our, our whole team checks them out and uh, I, I recommend everybody else does that are watching this which is where I'd like to give you an option right now if people are watching this right now they they've loved hearing you they want to maybe watch your videos or whatever else what's the call to action you want to send people to
1: yeah so the whole elevator pitch when i introduce myself now is i make i run one of the biggest channels for documentaries on money power and crime <laughs> and uh, you can find me on youtube by searching jake tran j-a-k-e-t-r-a-n uh instagram at jake and yeah awesome appreciate you guys watching and i'll see you guys in the next episode